what I've done is use Derech Hashem as a, um, uh, a springboard to many, many areas of Hashkof, because the Derech Hashem lends itself. And uh, it's a great opportunity to talk about many, many different yeah. other areas of Torah uh, that the Derech Hashem may allude to, and even if he doesn't allude to, it's really a great thing, you know? Uh, I've, what I've done, what I've done, one, one thing which I do uh, is I try to interpret current events based on the Hashkof of the Ramchal. The Hashkof of the Ramchal gives you a certain framework. Okay, so with that framework, you get a sense of the play. But you don't know who the actors are, you see, and you don't know what the background information is. But what Ramchal does reveal is the, is the what's called the, the plan of the Bria, how it's supposed to unfold, in general terms. What is very fascinating is to look at current events and try to somehow get a handle on what is happening today and why. Uh, I've spoken about it before, but I, but uh, what I what I haven't really done is spoken about what I think is going on now, and uh, what seems to be happening for the next fifteen years. Of course, this is speculation on my part, but it's based on the system and the the plan, contra Ramchal, the divine agenda. So it's me used in that. Even though you could say, well, how do you know A, A is really that? And so on. Fine, you know, you can differ. That's okay. I won't get upset. But what it is, it's fascinating even to have any understanding because everybody out there has no idea basically what's going on. I mean, you look at current events today, you look at Obama and Trump and Clinton and, and, and what's going on with Iran and Iraq. It's like, what in the world is going on today? So. Therefore, I, I really I had in Eretz Yisrael, I gave a shear. <clears throat> oh, thanks. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> uh, I totally, um, I, I had made up my mind. I gave a shear in, in the winter at Maladumim, it's a place in Eretz Yisrael. <clears throat> the problem is nobody recorded it. So I felt bad. That was really a great shear. And I went into a lot of different ideas, you know, what's happening and so on. <clears throat> Boy. Was that? Oh. It's no joke, you know, people who are actors and so on and so forth, they can spend four hours just on the makeup. I once read that. It was like astounding, you know, because you have to look a certain way in these TV shows and movies. It's been four hours. I once read somewhere that one guy spends a half a day just makeup, you know, and, and, until he even gets into his part. So this is certainly a part of the makeup. Anyway, so anyway, I'd like to do that. So uh, I am. Um, the problem is I don't know really what I don't know what I said before and after. You know, I'm always like because current events is always current in that sense. You know. So I'm going to go back to a certain point and then go on. And I really want, I don't want to finish today, but I want to do it now. And, and next week is Shavuos, by the way, so there's no shear. But it will, it will resume the week after. I want to really give you a what's called a hands-on understanding of current events. That's number one. 
Number two, what's also very interesting, I want to show you that current, that the Hashkaf is Lamaisa. It's not something that happened, you know, thousands of years ago, you know. If you understand what's called the framework of the Bria, if you have a grasp of what the plan is, and so on, you can mamish look at what's happening uh, in terms of today. So that's a very good uh, <coughs> um, <coughs> lesson in terms of that you can actually understand what's happening today based on Ashkafon. A third idea, which is I always find very important, is Yad Hashem. You see the Bershom's hand in the history. You know, a lot of people think that God is gone. The Bershom is out. He's gone. He's no longer here. You know, he talked to people thousands of years ago. And who knows where he is? You know, he's forgotten all this about us and he has nothing to do with us anymore. What the current events according to the divine agenda shows, illustrates, that you can see Mamash the Yad Hashem in history. But the incredible thing is how secret it is. How concealed it is. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, bring you all the way up to speed in terms of today. Okay. Um. One of the important things which I have said. So there's some of the old guys will be uh, probably some repeats, but uh, it's Kadai. It's Chazar. You, you know everything. I, look. I, I've, I've, I've done this thing who knows how many times, and I'm always fascinated by the Chazor. You never get bored, you know, because there's always a new insight, a new concept. I once, I once told you that the essential thing happening today, that in many ways is responsible for everything happening now, you remember what I said? I don't know if you remember what I said. There's one phenomenon happening today that is fundamentally responsible for everything. Although you'd never guess it, you'd never see this. And that is the Sutton. The Sutton is dying. Astounding. We know that the Sutton survives by the Chatoim, by the sins of Israel. There's a certain awe that comes down, Kedusha, comes down, whatever. And I, I had mentioned uh, actually in Shabbos that what Israel was supposed to do is to do the mitzvahs and bring the ore down and that ore will change reality that's the power of the spheres change the reality and so on and what Israel has to do because they do the tikkun they do the, the rectification of the Bria by bringing down more ore energy whatever of the kedusha of the spheres they can change they can retransform oilam hazet into oilam hapo it's an astounding thing, but that, that's called zikuch. The Ramchal talks about zikuch. It's a very, very important idea, which I had mentioned in that Shabbos here. The concept of zikuch means to retransform, or actually means to remove Geshem from <coughs> substance, rendering it f spiritual instead of physical. Chayisul has a koch to do that without getting into how and all that, but fundamentally it's done by the mitzvahs. Okay. Now, the problem is, <coughs> if people are choyte, if they sin, then the ore just doesn't go away, it doesn't come down. The problem is that ore of Kedusha goes to the Sutton. That's a fundamental balancing act. Of, uh, and, uh, so the Sutton is yunik, that's what the expression is. He nourishes off the Kedusha of Israel. Very important formula to know. And therefore, as a result of that yuniko, he then uh, grows incredibly strong. Ramchal calls it Tikbur Surah the growth or the proliferation of evil and uh, um, the more he's yoinek the more he takes from the Kedush of Israel, the greater becomes his strength 
And he gets it through dinim, kitrugim, prosecutions. He just doesn't take it. He can't do that. But what he does is he prosecutes Klal in judgment. And they paskin and bezdin shemayla, okay, that, okay, they sinned, you get their ore. And he grows stronger. And obviously the satan is the only malach that can grow. No other malach can grow. They are created at a certain level of being, and they remain at that level. The only one who, what's called wax and wane, which is like the moon, grows and is a sudden. And the sudden has to wait for Kleinsville, what they do. If they do mitzvahs, then they take the author themselves, the light, the energy. If they do sins, then he gets it. And the whole history basically is shaped by that relationship between us and the sudden. It's like a seesaw, which is really the relationship that we have with Esau. Uh, it's a seesaw. If uh, we are up, Yaakov is up, and Klai Israel, then uh, the Sultan is down. And if we are down because we <coughs> sin, then he is up. And the, the, we have, that's our relationship with Esau, as it says in the Torah. And we know that the same relationship that we have with Esau, the Malach of Esau is the Sultan. That's why we have the exact same relationship with the Sultan. You see? It's the exact same thing. When we are up, Esau and the Sultan is down. <coughs> And when we sin and he gets the ore, then we are down and Esav and the Sultan is up. That's what dominates history. Very important formula. It's fundamental. So he should it's, be really up now. He should be up. Who the Sultan? Was that? We're pretty down. Yeah, we're pretty down. It looks like, yeah. Oh, okay, why? Because the answer is, and I, I, this question always brings the answer. Moshe Rabbein was a Mashiach. That's what he was. He did the job of Mashiach. It was really Mashiach bin Yosef, right? If you think about what did he do, he took the Jews out of Golis, Mitzrayim, right? He brought them the Torah. He gave them the Torah, which is the Orishan, the Messianic <coughs> He brought them to Israel. You know what I'm saying? He gathered all, brought them to and so on. Okay, he wasn't able to make it to Israel because of the Chet of the Eagle, but basically he was the Messiah. He was the Mashiach, you see? So the question is, wait a minute, it doesn't make sense. We know the Mashiach comes after the Tikkun HaKloli, which means the total rectification of the Bria, or which Klai Yisrael does. But we also know that the Jews in Egypt was Memtesh Tumah, 49th level of Tumah, contamination. So if that's the case, how in the world can a Mashiach come to a nation that is in the 49th level of Tumah? Makes no sense. In fact, it's impossible. Interesting question. Anybody have an answer? They, they, they were stuck in three soon. Yes, I had said that. Because there are three ways to do the tikkun. They're called tikkun devices. One way is mitzvahs. If you don't do mitzvahs, tshuva. And if you don't do enough tshuva, then your surin is a tikkun device. Which means that when you suffer, it actually moves the bria forward. Uh, your surin is not so much a device that punishes. I mean, that's what it seems at. But really, it's an undoing of the chet that you did. And therefore, it moves the bria forward. Therefore... Klai Yisrael suffered at the hands of the Egyptians. So by the time <coughs> 20, 10 years came around, the mitzvahs, whichever, whatever they did, in the tshuva, and certainly the Asurin, even though they were at the 49th level of Tumor, right, they had accomplished the entire tikkun. Now what does that mean? What does that mean they accomplished the entire tikkun? Remember, tikkun really has two stages. To rectify creation, you need to do two things. One, is you need to take back all the Kiddusha that the Sultan took from Klai Yisrael because of their sins. 
you need to take it back. And then you need to bring the rest of the ore down. That's what they mean by sumera, right? And asetoiv, you see. So therefore, what Kleinsville did is that at that point in time, they took back all the, uh, what's called the sparks of holiness, that ore of the spheres, they took it back to their side. And as a result of that, the Sutton collapsed. He was dying in Mitzrayim, he was dying. Even though they were at the Memteshah Tumah, but you could be at the Memteshah Tumah and still do the Tikkun because of suffering, which is interesting, you see. So we're really at the same place, you know. Even though today, I mean, the world is at the Memteshah Tumah. You just take a look at what's going on. It's astounding what's out there, you know. And unfortunately, the Jews are also Memteshah Tumah. So the question is, how in the world do they do the Tikkun? So there's a small number of Jews that are doing the Tikkun to a mitzvah. <coughs> Who are they? The Bnei Torah, the Haredim. It's amazing. The Haredim basically are the ones that the brunt of the Tikkun is on their shoulders, you see. And the rest of Kleisvel, unfortunately, 11 million Jews at least are totally gone, you know. Then they do it because of whatever Yisurim they get or the Neshama but the neshamas that they have is in golas, whatever. So they do it through other ways. Uh, but the, 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 after, so therefore, that's a very important idea that the job is to take back all the kedusha from the sultan and then to bring down the rest. That is why there's a Mashiach bin Yosef. His job is to take back all that kedusha, that ore, that we have <coughs> given the sultan because of our sins, right? And then, to bring down the rest, and that's Mashiach and David. That's why there are two Mashiachim, which I've mentioned in a long time, uh, the concept of why there are two. One is involved in Sumera, right, to take back uh, the evil, and the other is Asei Toiv, to bring down the Kedusha. So this is basically what has happened in Mitzrayim. Well, today it's the same thing. As I said, the Sutton is dying. It means that 98% of the Kedusha that Klai Yisrael has given him over the 4,000 years, because that's how long we've been doing this, is basically returned to us. It's amazing. And therefore, he's dying. Doesn't look that way, <coughs> but he's dying. Now, people who are dying do desperate things. They do incredible things. And once you understand this concept, this balancing act between the Sultan and Kleinstrom, then you begin to understand current events, history, in a totally different way you see, and you begin to take a look at what's happening in terms of uh, all the events, the political events, and, and it's, uh, it explains many, many things. Um, my objective is current events, although it explains many, it explains the internet and the growth of science and uh, the rise of the Arabs and so on, which I will explain a little and so on. Uh, it, there's so many things that it answers uh, in any case, but that's the central feature. He's dying. And therefore, he's desperate. Therefore, I, what? How do we get back the type? How do we get back? The Golis. The Golis. The Golis is the Yisurim. That's why we went into Golis. Rebbe realized, I, I, I once said this uh, idea, which is a, Question is how much do I say? So many. 
In any case, the way we do the tikkun is through the golos. We do mitzvahs, but because of the persecutions and the pogroms and the and the what you call the expulsions and the Holocaust, all of this has been tremendously <coughs> soon declined for over the years. And the majority of the kedusha that they've taken back is three soon, just like just like Mitzrayim, Egypt. So even though Jews are so far gone, it doesn't make a difference. They still can have the gula because the tikkun has is almost complete. So basically, the sultan is dying. That's what's happening now. Therefore, and this is, we begin to understand something very important. In other words, what you have to understand is that the hog of the Bershom depends on how Klai Yisrael does the Tikkun. For instance, there we had B'chuk Koisai, yes? You notice there was a whole Tichocha, right? Why do you have the Tichocha for? What does the Bershom want to do, punish Klai Yisrael? What does he want to do with them? You see, what's the logic of the whole Tichocha, which is in today prominently, displayed in today's parsha, And the, the answer to that is that the Anhog of the Rabbanu originally is one thing, but it changed. Notice the main way the Jews were supposed to do the Tikkun is through the mitzvahs and tshuva. But since they're not doing that, so Rabbanu changed the Anhog where now he reacts to them with Yisurin, pogroms, holocaust. And that's B'chukhoi Kaisai. is not so much a punishment it's that since you've given away so much Kedusha to the Sultan, you need to take it back. And the only way to take it back is what? Is he the Tshuva or Yisurim? That's what he means. If you're not going to do Tshuva, the only way it can come back is the Yisurim, which is exactly what happened in Mitzrayim. So therefore, <coughs> the Anhoga now is the Anhoga of Yisurim. That's really, and that's really what Bechuk Koisai is Merames. That's really what's going on. You see. In any case, so therefore, uh, I, I give this example. So therefore, the sultan is like a general. Imagine a general is conducting a war, and he only has one week, one week left of armaments. That's all he has left, okay? And after that, it's finished. He only has three strategies that he can employ, or he, or else he's finished. First strategy that he can employ is called the big bluff. What's the big bluff? Where well, he throws six days worth of firepower. He only has a week left. He throws it at the enemy, hoping that the enemy, right, will be shocked. It's called shock and awe, as they say, uh, which they did in Iraq, right? And uh, they'll sue for peace. So what does he do? He throws out six days' worth of uh, armaments, right, to hope to, you know, just to uh, shock the enemy. And nothing happens. They don't care. So now he's only got one day left. So the second strategy, and he's got so one strategy, the big bluff is gone. The second strategy is what's called the uh, to send dissidents. Uh, what he does is he, he sends some of his guys into the enemy camp to try to break the resolve of the enemy to wage war. That's what they did in Vietnam, where people said, no, we don't want to make war. On the contrary, let's make peace. Even in Afghanistan, nobody wants anybody to be pulled out and so on. That's, that's a strategy, you see. So what happened is, uh, this guy does, this general sends his, his, guy, his soldiers into the enemy camp to try to break the resolve of that enemy to fight. He does it and it fails. Bad news. So he's only got one strategy left. What is that strategy? He needs to call up an ally, that the ally should send him new soldiers, more, right, because he's an ally, and new equipment. That's what he does. If not, then he's finished. 
The Satan does the exact same thing as you enter the 98%. His 98% is gone. It means he's given back Israel 98% of the Kiddusha that they've gotten back either to Mitzvah's Tshuva and most of it was through Yisurim. So what does he do? Okay. The first strategy failed. Second strategy failed. He's only got the third strategy. That's the only way to do it. Now, the question is, what does he do now? What did he do in history? That is the question. In history, what is the first strategy? The big bluff. What historical event corresponds to the big bluff? The answer is the Holocaust. Now, the Holocaust has many, many different reasons. It's multi-deterministic. But one of the uh, important reasons for that is the Sutton through Ketrugim created an, a, a, a situation in which the Jews were being slaughtered en masse. And every nation took part. Why? Because he threw, his guys are all the nations of the world, basically. And he got all of them in some way to kill the Jews. Either they killed the Jews, or they supported the killers of the Jews, or they cheered them on, different levels of contribution to killing the Jews. Why did he do that? To kill the Jews? Something doesn't get anything with the death of a Jew. He only gets if the Jew does what? If the Jew is sins. <coughs> so what he was hoping is that what he would do is kill the Jews, and then the rest of the Jews would say, hey, the Bosham left us, so then why do we have to do mitzvahs? The agreement that we had with the Bosham is gone. So he was hoping, therefore, that they would be choyte, and he'd be able to yoinik again. You see, that was the big bluff. By making it obvious to the Jews that the Bosham had abandoned them, he was hoping that they would sin, and therefore he would be able to eat. That's, the, that, that's his end of it. Obviously that didn't work. Obviously that did not work, right? So the Holocaust did not work. Why? Because there were many Jews, obviously, that did not do, do a verse. I mean, there were Jews that did and so on, that just gave up Judaism, Yiddishkeit altogether. But there were many Jews that didn't. So he did the second strategy. What is the second strategy? The second strategy are the dissidents. The Sutton has to send his soldiers, guys who are loyal to him, right, into the enemy camp to break the resolve. Who are the dissidents? Who are the enemy soldiers of the Sutton that he could do this and send them into the Jewish people to break the resolve of Jews to be from? And the answer is the Erev Rav. The Erev Rav. The Erev Rav are really in many ways the soldiers of the Jews, uh, of, the, of the Sutton. Yeah, and that's what he did. Who's the Erev Rav, basically? The Erev Rav is the Maskilim in Eretz Israel. Those guys that try to destroy Judaism, right? It's the masculine, whether you want to call it labor or whatever and so on. The mapai, mapam, all these guys. And then it's also the reform, reformed and conservative movements in America. These are his Erev Rav. Now, it's important to bring out that the Erev Rav is not Jews. It is the leaders of Jews that want to use the Jews, right? So what they did is they completely misdirected the Jews to give up their religion or to give or to have the religion where Yimachal Shabbos and so on. The Ere of Rav is the soul is the Jew that wants to destroy Judaism, not the Jews. But the Ere of Rav are people that want to destroy Judaism. And they want to say that Torah is not supreme, that the real relationship between the Jews and the Bonsham is not Torah. It is what? It's culture. Right? It's fish. 
Of course the Torah is great, but it's great literature, just like Shakespeare. This is what they say. And then the ultimate coup de grace is what? Is that the Jews forget about, you know, once you become an Israeli, then you don't have to do <coughs> mitzvahs, right? Because the main thing of Jews is what? Is the culture. Is they even go so far as to say that the main thing is Jews are Middle East citizens. As, as you know who said that. Not incredible. But in any case, so what the Sutton does is he gets the Erevrav, which are Jews that want to destroy Judaism, to infiltrate into the Jewish people to try to destroy their resolve. To do mitzvahs, those are the Erevrav. When was that? Because right after the Holocaust, 1948 was the founding of the State of Israel. And who had the founding of the State of Israel at that point in time? The Erevrav, right? All the Maskilim, the labor, Mapai, all these uh, political movements, they controlled Israel and they did a terrible job. I should say they did a great job in terms of what they had to do. And that is to take <coughs> the Jews and destroy their religion. Whether it be the Yemenites, or the, there's so many peoples that came after the war that they destroyed. That's the era of Rav, you see. And those are the soldiers of the Sultan. In any case, so that's the concept of the, of the era of Rav. That was the second strategy. But that also failed because a lot of Jews did not are not destroyed all day. They did a terrible job. But it's not a complete job. And the Sutton is still dying. So what does the Sutton do? The third strategy, which is an enemy, an ally. He needs to call up an ally to do what? To take new armaments, new soldiers to fight the battle. What ally? There is no ally. There is nobody that could bring down the Kiddusha except the Jews. And then if the Jews sin, they give it to the Sutton. Right? So if the Sutton is dying... And the Jews are not sinning, right? Where's he going to get it from? And the answer is, according to the Maharal, there is only one other nation besides the Jews that can take down the Kedusha by themselves without having to go through the Sutton. Who is that? Yishmuel. The Arabs, the Muslims. Because Avraham Avinu said, Lu Yishmuel yich When the Rosham said, you will have Yitzchak. So the Rosham said, so Avraham Avinu said, Alavai Yishmol should live before you. So the Bonsham said, I have heard. And therefore Yishmol will be able to bring down Kiddusha independent of the sins of the Jews, independent of the Sultan. They're the only other nation, the Maral says. And that's why the only, the only nations that have the name of God in it, Yisrael and Yishmoel. Also explains something very interesting. That, uh, that the um, Yishmuel, they're not interested in converting Jews, if you notice. What their main thrust is that they want the Jews to admit that they are superior. Call them dimis, okay? Christianity, right, what they do is they want to convert Jews. Why? Because Esau, the Malach of Esau is who? The Sultan. Esau became Edom. Edom became Rome. Rome became Christianity, and Christianity is Western civilization. Therefore, the Sultan, in order for him to survive, has to get the Jews to sin. Therefore, <coughs> Christianity has to get the Jews to convert. Or else if they don't convert, they don't sin. You see? So their malach doesn't eat. So therefore, Christians have to convert the Jews. That's why they're always trying to missionize. But Muslims, they don't care. You don't have to become a Muslim. You can remain, but you're, you're a second-class citizen. And there are all kinds of rules that they have, and so on, you see. And the reason for that is because Yishmael doesn't need to be unique because of the sins of the Jews. It doesn't make a difference. 
So you see? Who? Ishmael. Just as the supremacy. And why did they need this feeling of supremacy? Why did what? Why did they need this feeling of supremacy? Because they want to take over the Jewish position. You see. Why does Christians want to convert into the Jews? Because what they want to do is convert. What they want to do, what they want to do is convert both nations, both nations, whether it be Yishmuel or Edoim, they want to take over the Jewish position. In fact, you see it, which is very interesting, you know. It says in the Gemara, Atem Krim Odom, Rabbi Omer Rabbi you are called Odom. The concept of an Odom is a person that has an Ishama which is connected to all the Olamas, and he can bring down the force of the spheres. He's a Masakim. That's what an Odom really is. Okay? The interesting thing about it is that both Yishmur and Edom also want to be Odom, but they fail. By Yishmur it says, Pera Odom. You see? And by uh, Esav it says, Edom. See, they're both trying to be Odom, but they fail. Or whatever. Why? Because they want to be the ones that are the... Uh, the, the main people of the Bria. It's always a rivalry. Esav always was a rivalry with Yaakov. So it's interesting that they both have some concept of Odom, either Edom or Pera Adam. They just, but they never make it, which is interesting and so on. In any case, um, so therefore, what's happening therefore is, um, so the Malach therefore has to survive. The Satan, he's dying. So he needs to survive. So what does he do, right? So the big bluff didn't work, the Holocaust. The second thing that didn't work was the air of Rav. The air of Rav, of course, is his dissidents, his soldiers. We know who they are. So what he does, what does he do there for? So the Malach, the Sultan, goes over to Yishmuel, the Malach of Yishmuel. And he says to him, you know, I need you guys. I need the koyach of Kedusha that you have because Yishmael also has the, a koyach of Kedusha that he can take down because of the statement of Avram Avinu. In any case, that's what the morale says. So imagine he goes over to the Malach of Yishmael and he says to the Malach of Yishmael, listen, you know, let's, let's be friends, right? I need you guys. So what does the Malach of Yishmael say? No problem. How much you need? Right? So the Sultan says, okay, I need the Kedusha in order to uh, have Koyak. Because remember, the, the Kedusha is, is, is a power that enables something to survive. So the Malach of Yishmuel says, yes, but there's a caveat. There's a condition. Until now, who was, who is the Bechor of the Sultan? Esau, also known as Edom, also known as Rome, also known as Christianity also known as Western civilization. These are your guys. You want my energy? I want Yishmuel, my guys, be the chief. The Arabs or the Muslims, right? What does the Sutton do? He says, okay, I have no choice. All this happened, you should know, approximately 1990. That's when this ha happened, approximately. And you, if you notice that, 1990s where the Intifada began 
And all of a sudden you began to see a lot of Arabs around, you see. Why 1990? I don't know if you're familiar with the calendar, the creation calendar, but the, the, the creation is six days of creation, <coughs> six days of creation, and one day of um, Shabbos. So therefore the six days of creation parallel the 6,000 years, okay? And each thousand years has an entire period of history. Therefore, what's significant to us in this creation calendar of six, six days, which is parallel 6,000 years, because like David Melech says, one day in your eyes is like a thousand years in us, so therefore each day of creation parallels 1,000 years. What is significant is Thursday night, which is the beginning of Erev Shabbos, 6 p.m., that is significant, okay? And that happened in 1240, I'm not gonna go into that. A lot of significant stuff happened in that year, or that, around that time. But what is also significant is Katsais, Friday, Friday noon. Friday noon, equivalent of the English year, Friday noon, uh, was uh, 1990. That's, that's Friday noon, Katsais, of the last day of creation, which is 5,750, because every six hours is 250 years. So therefore, uh, 5,750 is uh, 18 hours from 6 p.m., which is 12 o'clock noon on Friday. Noon on Friday is very interesting. Why? Because the sun begins to set. It's the last day of the week before Shabbos. The sun begins to set, never to rise again, you see. So therefore, and not only that, but that's also very important. Kufa called as the Novi says, at the time of evening, there will be light. And evening is which starts at Chatzois, or Chatzois, which is 12 and a half. That's when you really see the sun, the shadow begins to be apparent after uh, uh, six and a half hours from the day. In any case, so therefore, September 1989, which is Rosh Hashanah, is the beginning of the end, really, in many ways. And from that year, incredible, in October or November of 1989, what happened? 1989, the Berlin Wall collapsed. And then the Soviet Union collapses shortly thereafter, and so on, you know? So that is really the beginning of rearranging the nations of the world to begin what's called the last scene of the Bria. That we are now heavy into the last scene in, from 1990. So, like I said, so Yishmuel makes this deal with, um, with the Sutton, and, also, uh, and therefore the Sutton says, hey, I need the, the Sutton, the, the Malachi Yishmuel says, I want my guys to be the Bechor of the Sutton. I want them to be the major agent. Right around Chatzais. And lo and behold, right, that's when the whole world began uh, a whole different cha change. The Berlin Wall collapsed, communism collapsed, and the Intifada began. That was the beginning of the Arabs asserting themselves slowly, which was really remarkable and so on. What's communism collapsing? What was that? What is communism collapsing? What well, in uh, Gorbachev gave up the whole Soviet Union no, in 1991. I, so I know what is, what's the premise of that. Oh, you mean of, 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 of communism? Yeah. Because part of Edom is collapsing also. Part of Edom is also collapsing, right? If Yishmuel is taking over, 
So parts of Edom is collapsing also because Edom or Christianity, Western civilization, is part of um, is part of um, um, uh, the Sultan. And once the power is taken away from Edom, which Christianity is the Western civilization, so they slowly begin to collapse. But I'm not going that route, I'm staying with this. So what do we see, which is amazing? We see that from 1990, <coughs> or actually it's September of 1989, the whole world began to change. And you began to see the rise of Ishmael because of this, because the Satan's really dying, you see. And even though Klai Yisrael is in the Memtesh Shari they are almost at the end because of all the Asurin that they've gone through. So therefore, this clearly is what's happening. And that's why you see this tremendous rise of the Arabs. Tremendous. I mean, wherever you go, they're taking over Europe, right? I mean, forget about the Middle East, take over Europe. Islam is the fastest growing religion on earth. They now have 1.5 billion adherents to Islam. Christianity has 2 billion. Yishmol, Islam, has uh, 1.5 billion people. You see, and when they get to 2, there's going to be a massive war. Anyway, um, so this is basically what's happening in terms of Yishmoel and their progression to be the Bechor. Okay, so they are clearly on the rise. The amazing thing is not only are they on the rise because of their oil and so on, and they're taking over nations, which is, we see that uh, uh, clearly, okay. The amazing thing is that as time goes on, what, the bunch of, what, what this, this deal, so to speak, has done, it has taken, who's the greatest nation of Edom? <coughs> the United States. That is Edom, right? Edom is divided into three areas. One is the United States, and the other is Europe, and the third one is the Soviet Union, because they're all Christian. <coughs> they all are, are Christian. And therefore, all, th all three sections of the globe are really Edom. <coughs> Edom. Where do you see this? Because Edom or Esau had three characteristics. The first characteristic of Esau was a Murdic Balgaiba, by Yives Esauves Abhura. Tremendous gears. The second thing, he was a fraud. Mirmo. He used to walk over to, uh, to uh, Yitzchok and say, Do I have to give Maisa? He was a fraud, hypocrite, imposter. And the third aspect of Esau is Murdic Baltaiba. So therefore, the Gaiva of Esau settled in the Soviet Union. <coughs> so for 70 years they were communists, even though they have a Russian Orthodox Church, that's the Gaiva of Esau, is Russia. The fraud, the imposter of Esau is Europe, right? Because they Christians, they tell you, turn to the other cheek, and of course it's always your cheek that they turn, right? Never theirs, right? So they're, they're, they're frauds. More people have been killed in the name of Christianity then I think all wars combined. We have no idea the slaughter that these guys did between the Crusades and the pogroms, right? And the Holocaust and the evictions and expulsions of people is beyond belief what these guys used to do. Okay. And of course, so that's the, the, the fraud of, of Aesop is Europe. And the type of Aesop is America, Edwin. America. You know America, you know. America's a... Taiva. So they took the, and um, so therefore America is a Taiva base of, but America is really the Toivsha base of. 
they're the best of Esav, if you really think about it, you know. They're the least hostile. In many ways, America, you know, they have democracy and so on, fairness and so on. Uh, so therefore, America is the Tosh of Esav. We see that because what was the mitzvah that Esav did that was so great? Keep it up aim. And the only country that has Mother's Day and Father's Day is America. See? Makes sense why well, they have that, right? Mother's Day and Father's Day because keep it away. You see. And besides, America's, uh, America has unusual schus. They're very good, freedom of religion. The Jews have been able to, the amount of terror that America has sponsored directly. I mean, the whole Lakewood lives on uh, Section 8. I mean, well, without even going into all the, you know, Section 8 and food stamps and all that stuff. You know, and when people learn terror because of that, it's incredible. You know? But besides that, they're tremendous balichesed. They give a tremendous amount of foreign aid to nations, more than any nation in the world. America is a very tremendous place. It's just unfortunate that <clears throat> America is so involved in materiality, materialism, and and and, uh, and uh, the taiva and all this kind of stuff, and zima and all that. But anyway, but uh, America has done tremendous things to aid Jews to learn Torah, which we'll talk about what the significance of that is. But in any case, what you see, begin to see, is uh, Yishmol rising since 1990, because like I said, that was Chatzois, Mamish, and Chatzois is the beginning of the Gula in a certain sense, because the sun begins to set, and it's been Abayim, between the evenings, and so on. But the amazing thing about this transaction, if you want to call that, between the Sultan and the Malach Yishmol, is that he, the Sultan acquiesced, and the uh, what happened is that uh, who would ever imagine that the uh, king of Edom would be, would be a Muslim, Obama? That's why Obama is the president of the United States because he's a Muslim. You see, that's where it comes from. I mean, <coughs> anybody who looks at the election in 2008 of, of Obama, it's a miracle, it's a mess. He's a nobody from nowhere. I mean, what, what, what his claim to fame was a community organizer. I mean, therefore, he had no other job to become president of the United States. I mean, it's ludicrous. It, you look at it, you can't believe that Americans voted this guy in. You know, uh, you know, a community organizer. Then he hangs around with, 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 with got the guy, Reverend Wright, that's lambasting America. It's unbelievable that he hangs around with, with, with uh, terrorist guys. And, uh, it, it's just incredible how they can vote this guy in. And he's a first-term senator. He was hardly in the Senate, most liberal of all. Because the Bonsham said, this is what has to be, you see. So therefore, America has a Muslim as a president. And it's all part of the idea that Yishmael must grow tremendously. That's why Obama's president. Extremely sympathetic to Islam. Extremely. Why do you think he bowed in front of the Saudi guy, the king? Because the, this uh, Saudi Arabia is the is the uh, is the uh, they are the uh, the crown of Islam. You know, unless you think that uh, Islam, what does that Islam have to do with the Sultan? Well, if you spell out the word <coughs> Islam, Allah Samak Lamad Mem Islam, and you just rearrange the letters, it spends out some kale. I don't want to say the name. That's the name of the angel, uh, Sam Malchamovas. Sam Kale. Islam is the exact letters of Sam Kale. 
I would say it to get the guy started. But anyway, uh, yeah, because Islam is also a shliach of the sultan. In any case, this is what's happening now. Now, Obama basically has three jobs. And he's doing an excellent job. The first two we are aware of, the last one, no, hardly anybody knows. The first job of Obama, since he's a Muslim, is, that's really what he is, he's a closet Muslim. Although today he's not even closet anymore, you know. The first job of Obama is to destroy the United States. I mean, he's just an incredible job. I mean, if you look at his presidency, the fact that he's destroying the Constitution, and you, you know there are 94.9 94 million people unemployed. Are you, are you, did you hear that statistic? I mean, it's like, it's beyond belief. You know, it, it's like his administration has done such a con job on the United States. It, it, it's an enormous amount of poverty. People have no jobs. And he wants to make it, and of course, I, I, I can't even go into all the terrible things he has done to the United States terrible things because he himself is a megalomaniac and he's a narcissist but he's really his job is to destroy the United States why because that was the deal Ishmael said I look you know, I want my guys to do it fine so not only do you want to become the main guy but you have to destroy your rival which is what they always do and he's destroying the United States America is a, is a America is almost down to a third world country it's a banana republic almost you know, if Obama ever had another four years, it would be a banana republic. It's basically what it would be. As it is, he stripped. I mean, it's just incredible to watch, you know. So therefore, and that's what he's done. So the first thing his job is to destroy Edoim. The second thing, of course, is to raise Ishmael. And that's what he's done. He has empowered the Arabs. Look what he's done to Iran. He has empowered Ishmael. Iran right, the PLO, right, Hamas, Hezbollah, he always sides, always sides with the, with the, with the, um, uh, what do you call, extremist Muslims, even in Egypt, which is a Muslim country, he sided with Morsi, which is incredible, is he crazy, you know, Morsi was killing the country, but Morsi is an extremist Muslim, he's part of the, uh, what do you call it, the, um, Muslim, Muslim Brotherhood, yeah, he sided with him as opposed to the other guy, El Sisi, Without al-Sisi, Egypt was finished. He still sided with Morsi. This guy is a Muslim through and through that wants to side with extremist Islam or militant Islam. You see it all the time. Why? Because that's his job, is to raise Ishmael. You see? So that's the second thing of uh, what, what Obama has done. But the third thing is fascinating. The gematria of Barack Obama, do you know what that is? You know what the gematria of Barack Obama is? It is gematria Mashiach. Yeah. Wow, so is Trump. No. No. Trump is not gematria Mashiach. Trump is gematria Mashiach and Dovid. I will explain. But first, let's take Obama. Obama is gematria Mashiach. It's amazing. Mashiach, excuse me. Right? But remember one thing, Mashiach, which is Gematria 358, is also Gematria Nochosh, the snake, because Zelumazer, because the Mashiach fights the Nochosh, the snake, right? And the Nochosh, of course, is 
the Satan, right? So therefore, even though it looks so the fact that he's Kematri Mashiach means that he it has a role in the messianic progress, progression, believe it or not. He's not stomach guy that just took over the United States. He is an active part in bringing the Mashiach. Get about how for a minute, but that's what he's doing. But since he's bringing the uh, he's a, he's bringing an active part <coughs> to bring the Mashiach, right? Since that active part is really to destroy the messianic process, therefore his real gematria is nochosh. So it's like a you know it's a fool you you know say I'm gematria Mashiach, but really he's gematria nochosh because it's really the Satan that wants to destroy the entire Mashiach from coming. That's what he's doing. Now, how does this make sense? What Obama has done is something which is very interesting. And because of that, he's messianic. He has called the end of time. He has designated the end of time. Do you believe this? That Obama has designated the end of time. <coughs> Amazing. What does that mean? He's designated the end. He's actually said, here's the end. And that was his job. And that's why he's Gamati Mashiach, because he's called the end. How? There's an interesting Zoya. The Zoya says the following. Most people think that when the Mashiach bin David comes, Right? Then you immediately you're gonna have Tchis and Mesim and everybody's gonna get up. Because that's when it happens. And the Zoya says, no, that's not what happens. What happens is when the Mashiach Ben David comes, Tchis and Mesim begins, but it takes 210 years till everybody gets up. Depending on how, how material you are. It takes 210 years. It's really a Machlokas, 210 or 214 years and so on, you know. Therefore, if we know that the world ends in the year 6000, that's when the world ends, that's when the Mashiach ends his reign. And after 6000 years begins the what's called the Chat Chorov, or the beginning of the 7000th year millennium, uh, which is the end of Ulam Hazeh to a certain extent. Uh, that means if you take 6000 and you minus 210 years, that'll tell you when Mashiach when David comes, that's what, what year is that? 2030. You know, that's only 14 years from now, isn't it? That's all it is. That means based on that Zoya, the Mashiach will be here in 14 years. Mashiach ben David. Mashiach ben Yosef has to come earlier, but even ben David. Okay? Now, what's interesting is that there's a Medrash that's in Yalkut Shemoni in Sefi Shayohu of 499. Here's what it says. It says, Bishavuashi ben David Bo. In the week that Mashiach ben David comes. It doesn't necessarily mean the week, but it could mean the Shemitah week, seven years. It says that Poras is going to incite a war against Arov, Arabia. <coughs> okay? And then it says Arov, Arabia, is going to seek counsel with Edom. And then it says that Poras will begin to conduct a war against the entire world and begin to destroy it. And it says that the Jews are going to run around back and forth, okay, and they're going to have to, uh, they're going to be tremendously worried what's going to happen, where are we going to go. And then it says that Yishmoel, that uh, Poras, 
okay, that there's going to be a bus call. There's going to be a bus call that's going to come out. In other words, a bus call that the Rabbi Hashem says, the time of your redemption has arrived. Amazing. That means that the war of Paras, Persia, which is Iran, against the world is the last war. Basically. That's what it means. It's amazing. Now, that Medrash was written 2,000 years ago. So if you ask yourself, well, how could that be? 2,000 years ago, right? But what that Medrash, which was written 2,000 years ago, predicts is that the last <coughs> war is really Iran. Iran. So if you ask yourself, 30 years ago, Iran? How can Iran conduct a war against the world? It's ridiculous. And the answer is the bomb, the nuclear bomb. That's how. That Medrash predicts that Iran will have the capacity <coughs> to destroy the world. Not that it will. And therefore, that's the last war. And Iran, therefore, anybody who knew that message knows that Iran will build the bomb. Right? And when they build the bomb, what are they going to do with it? They're going to make war against the Jews. Of course, that's what they say. And not only war against the Jews, they're going to also try to take over the entire Middle East. Right? That's what's going to happen. Which is exactly what's been going on that Iran has been threatening Arabia. Who's the greatest enemy of Iran? Saudi Arabia, right? So, and, and Arabia, as Saudi Arabia is trying to work out a deal with the United States, right? And meanwhile, Iran is getting stronger and stronger each day. What I find interesting is that in July of 2015, Obama made the deal with Iran, right? And he said that right now you can't build a nuclear weapon. However, in 15 years, you can build a nuclear weapon, and we won't say anything. He legitimatized, legalized their ability to build a weapon in 15 years. Yes? Well, if July 2015 is when the treaty was struck, and in 15 years, they can make the bomb legally. If you add 15 years to 2015, what does it come out to? 2030. That's interesting. 2030 is this year that the Zoya says that the Mashiach Ben David will arrive, basically. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's incredible timing. But in any, in, in, in any case, what we see is that Iran, the buildup of Iran to become a nuclear power is the last <coughs> war, basically, okay? And that's happening, you see? And Obama has designated the end. That's what it means. By allowing Iran to go nuclear, legally and legitimately, right, he has empowered Iran to become a major threat to the entire world. And they are actively, of course, they're still doing missiles and developing their missiles. And everybody knows it's only a matter of time until, you know, they conduct the war and so on. So Obama has called the end of time. Isn't that amazing? You see? But he calls the end of time for Iran to destroy Israel, right? Or not that he says he wants to do it, but that's basically what's going to happen, <coughs> that they're going to try to do it, you know? He has called the end of time for this last war, you see? And that, again, was the third part of his job, to empower Yishmuel this time, not only to fight Edom, which they will do, you see, but to also to fight Klai Yisrael.
It's amazing what the guy has done. And, you know, people look at that deal and they can't believe what this guy has done. It's unbelievable. Everybody knows what Iran is. They, they're the greatest state sponsor of terrorism. You know, every, every all terrorism is a result of Iran, basically. If you think about that, you know, and they're, they're busy building a bomb and now they have legal right and they want to give Iran $150 billion. I mean, only a lunatic would do this. You know, you know the guy wants to kill you, so how do you give him the weapons to kill you? And we're talking about, no, we're not talking here about, you know, uh, just the Middle East. They're going to threaten the entire world. That's what the message says. Of course, they're going to say, you know, they're going to have a, have a mis, uh, definitely have a missile that will be able to reach Europe and destroy Europe. What do you think Europe's going to do? Europe is going to, like, tremble, and they'll say, okay, you can have the Middle East. That's what they're going to do. And they'll certainly want to have a bomb to reach the, the United States. You're looking here at an incredible slaughter or mass. You're looking at a clash of civilizations that's coming up very shortly, you see. So, <coughs> then, so you see, this is what's happening now, right? It's happening now with Iran uh, getting ready to conduct a major war, especially against the Jews and, of course, the entire West and Europe and so on. Um, so, so far, this is what's happening, you know. Um, so this is basically Obama, the rise of Yishmael. But we realize something, that Yishmael is collapsing. If you notice, all the Arab states are collapsing. They're failed states. Between Libya, Egypt is about to go, which is terrible. Uh, and you have, of course, uh, Iraq is gone, Lebanon is gone, right? Uh, Syria is, they're finished, right? You take a look at the, and Jordan is about to go, because they cannot handle all the immigrants, you know? It's astounding to watch the Arab nations collapsing all around. In fact, Israel has no natural enemies anymore. They're so busy collapsing that Israel doesn't have to worry about them anymore. It's not, I have to worry about the Syrian army. What army? You know, you don't have to worry about Iraq. You know, Iraq, ISIS is taking over, and so on, you see. So what we're watching is an incredible growth of Yishmoel as a result of this fact that the sudden is dying. Yishmoel is going up. What? The, the going, down. Why? Why should Yishmoel collapse if he's going to be number one? Oh, and the answer is because they only have a certain amount of Kedusha, even they. Okay, good. They don't have to get it from the sudden. But they're using it up. And guess what? They're using it up. On what? What? Using it on what? On the, or the, the, the Kedusha that they have is being used up, okay? Because after a while, they, they can only gain a certain amount by doing what they do. Let's say they have Mila. They do certain mitzvahs and so on. But they can access it directly from the, 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 the uh, Shechina, and they don't have to go through the sudden to access all the... All the 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 sparks of all of this, but as time goes on, they use it up. You see, and um, that's why they're all collapsing. So the question now is: so what happens now? What happens once they collapse? You see. So for that, we're going to have to see. Uh, now, we, once you understand this, you will now understand uh, what's happening in Israel, uh, who Trump really is. Clinton, Trump, Hillary, okay, uh, and what, what's about to happen in the next 15 years in terms of the Mashiach and so on, 
and that's what I have to continue. But you now have a framework from which to understand some of the current events happening, because the Satan is dying. The rise of Yishmael, now the collapse of Yishmael, and the collapse, the beginning of collapse of Edoin. So now you have to understand from now, what's happening now in today's election and so on and so forth, America and so on. So for that, I will continue the week after Shavuos, resume. Okay? And complete that, the whole thing. Any questions? And why, if the, the war, the nuclear war will happen at, at 2030, that's when well, comes. Well, it, so it, 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 no well it, it, earlier than that. But the, there's no nuclear war until then. Ben Yosef has a different job. See, it's a different job. The culmination of his job will be at that point in time. But he has. There are many things that he has to do even before that nuclear war. And I'm going to speak about that the next time. What 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 seems to be the messianic process, and why is Trump Gamapia Mashiach Ben David? <laughs> Over fifteen years, maybe Jean-Louis will win first November. No, no, no. Trump would like it if he hears about this. Trump would like it if what? He would like this if he hears about it. If he hears about this? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's all he needs to really get him going. You know, as it is, he's an egomaniac. I, I, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's unfair, you know. How you spelling Trump? Donald. Donald. Yeah, Donald Trump. Barack Obama, Donald Trump. Dalit, Aleph, Nun. I don't know, I think it's an iron. Lama Dalit. Donald. Trump. Tess, Reish, Vov, Mempei. If you present to him right, maybe we can get some Check it out. It's exact. Mom's exact. But you have to understand, believe me, he's not Mashiach Badovit. But what it does tell you is that he's involved in the process. The question is how. <coughs> and I'm going to tell you the next week. Incredible concepts of why he is involved, what Mashiach Ben Yosef has to do, and what's going to happen when he appears, the Klai's will, and so on, and a lot of stuff. Yes. That what? A strategy in effect, even though the nations seem to be falling Islam of a Trojan horse. They're flooding Europe to yeah. the point of there's a Muslim mayor of London, the chief name, the top name. That Muslim mayor of London really is very good. Yeah. And also Obama's importing them into Mexico now. It seems only Putin in the Adams picture seems to be holding this area clean. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Putin, where he fits in. So, <laughs> He's a very interesting guy. You know? And the question is, well, the question is, why is Europe falling and Russia, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about the whole thing. What? Hey, you know, you'll figure out. Zikuch Yes, see what Zik what Yisurin does, what Yisurin does in Chuva really is it takes back all the Nitzvahs from the Tzadik. The Mitzvahs bring the Kedusha down, but what takes everything back is the Chuva and Yisurin. So they're part of the Tikkun process. They're uniquely suited to take back from the Tzadik himself. But Zik, 
Who? What does that mean? Kushbar was only Mashiach Toy. It's not, not really Yeah, well, yeah. So, but, so, so how does it happen? It happens because there's a diminished Shefa coming from a Kushbar. How does what happen? The Zisurim, the, the raw that comes. That well, that's the old question. The Mashiach is only made of how are they Yisurim altogether in the world? That's a, that's a Stamashkov question. The Mabchal deals with that in Das Tunis. So, so, yeah, so, so he says it's, 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 it's uh, less Hashpah sent. It's not that Hashpah who sends directly raw. It's just less of a, a, a Shefa Bracha that comes down. But if you think about it, nothing works in an absence. What do you mean there's less Shefa? That would mean there's an absence. But an absence doesn't do anything. If, you only, if everything only works to a, a, to a Shefa, it means a force, right? Even if you diminish that force, then what replaces it? How can anything exist in an absence? That's the problem. Well, that's what's bothering how, how does the zikr happen because of that? Well, that You're doing more with less. That Ramchal is a very schwer Ramchal to understand. The Ramchal says, and so you know. So even if it's true, which is true, that the, the diminishment of Shefa does allow evil to flourish right but there has to be something that replaces it because nothing can flourish in an absence uh-uh. you know every, in order to exist everything needs that koyach if you take away the koyach then nothing exists so what does it mean that evil can exist in an absence you know it has to mean that there's something there but that if that's the case bring back the original question how's the bunch of and anyway it says he does he creates evil i know but he yeah that's that's what yeah that's what we know so that's why the 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 whoever the nishama asked to say you know the yeah. yeah but the answer is really is problematic so then what replaces the absence if nothing replaces it nothing can grow in a vacuum can it a va- uh, nothing can grow in nothing so an absence always means nothing so how can anything be flourish in a vacuum Elamai, there has to be something that replaces the absence of Kiddusha. So then if that's the case, so he is Bayara. So you're back to your original question. The it's problematic. What? The absence is Hagufara. The absence is what allows the evil to flourish. But the problem is that evil cannot flourish in an absence of Kiddusha. Nothing exists in an absence of Kiddusha. Well, I would say the absence of Kiddusha is Hagufara. It is. It is. It is. No, but he... Ramchal is trying to get away from the fact so that. It's a problem. It's pro- it's not simple, you know. It, if you really look at Ramchal, yeah. Why, why, we can understand. Why is it surim ra? Who? Why is it surim ra? It's surim. It's not ra. It's surim bring the mule. Yeah. So therefore, yeah. But so you have. You know what it is? You have to distinguish between. You, know, you need to distinguish between an immediate evil but an ultimate good or even the immediate evil is not evil it's good you see you have to play around with those terms because now you're suffering you know it's evil in the sense that it's uh, it's it's an invasion of of that 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 therefore if pain is considered raw then it is raw. 
you know, a guy, a guy's got, you know, let's say a guy's sick, right? He's got to go for surgery, yes? So the guy says, well, how do you do this? The guy says, to, how do you do this? You're an evil guy. You're, you're going to cut the guy up. So the surgeon looks at me, what, are you crazy? If I don't take out this tumor, you're finished. I, the guy's getting cut up and all that kind of stuff. And So what, which, what is it? Is surgery evil or is the surgery good? It has to be good because it allows the individual to survive. Yet while he's cutting the guy up, thank God there's the anesthetics. But you know that 150 years ago there was no anesthetics? You know what was going on in the hospitals? It was dreaded. I mean, they, they had the surgery room in a hospital. They had the surgery room at the far end of the hospital because of the screams. I mean, it's, it's beyond belief what was going on. You imagine doing surgery without an anesthetic? Anyway, believe me, you can tell this guy, oh, you're going to survive, you're going to survive. You know, and the guy's screaming his head off from the pain. You know, it's, it's playing words here, you know. Either, it, it, you know, it depends. Right now it's bad. But that, if you go through the bed, you will, uh, what do you call it, survive. So is that called bad or not? You see? So, I mean, it's, uh, anyway. On the point that, the, uh, that if you look around, things look, look these lies in a terrible state. Yes. So we, we try to understand how is it that the... Um, That's because... But is it possible that because people are in such a situation, you have people who never learned about Yiddish Kaikenberg, so even though they're doing what seems to us to be a various, but the pagam is not as great. It's not, no, it, well. Because, so there's no, there's no to the southern from that. Because there's no what? No bakhira. No Somebody's a tinik shenishba has no bakhira. I mean, he has bakhira. So there's no yonika from that. There's no, a certain cannot be yonik if he has guys that have no bakhira. You see, that's it's an honor. So therefore, most of clients will are tinik shenishba. That's why they do not add anything to the sultan. Mm -hmm. So guess what? What do you think the sultan does? No. Who? He may help not make sure. Start the shivas. Start the Do you know where the sultan lives in America? He lives in Lakewood. Because he's got to get the Jews in Lakewood to sin. Or else what is he going to eat? What's he going to do? Go to, uh, you know, uh, Minnesota somewhere where there's a Jew there? I don't know anything about Judaism, you know. Uh, most of Jews in America are gone. So he didn't go to them because he can't be yearning from them because they have no Bechira, because they know nothing. So he comes to Lakewood.